Hey, welcome back. Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. It's February 25th. Uh, thanks for listening. This is a podcast for all things uh, centerfire and rimfire. Um, love to have you here with us. Uh, he's telling me to put my pen down because I get. I guess I got famous on that one. I'm here with David again. Uh, say hi, Dave. Hey, what's going on, guys? I, I'm going to try to talk a little bit on this one. The, the <laughs> yeah. last one, I think we were just kind of sitting around mesmerized. Yeah, kind of stunned on that one for sure. But yeah, guiding principle of this at Rifles Only, everything else is to make better shooters. Um, we had a, a really, really nice guest last time with uh, Michael Bachelieri uh, out of Leupold. Uh, again, uh, just sitting there with trying to pick our jaws up off the ground. Uh, the knowledge that this guy has on, on optics was amazing. But uh, what are we going to do today? Uh, well, I think uh, we've been kind of collecting some comments and, and figure that we'll take the first part of the, the podcast and we'll go down some comments, talk about them, and then we'll move in. I think we had a brawl recap down there and yeah, we're we going to talk about breathing. Got a little training section here and then a brawl recap. And stuff All right. Like that. Uh, so we'll start. I, I got one on the hide. It's from uh, A Card and his tagline says Chief Mad Hatter. So what's up, man? He, uh, he said he loved the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And he said, I'm, I'm interested in your 22 rimfire class and have a couple concerns. And it sounds like he's talking about the three-day here at Rifles Only in Kingsville. He said, I'm mid-50s and due to some career-ending injuries in the service, uh, not as mobile and flexible as I once was. How physically demanding will the three-day cla- three class be? Well, you know, uh, let's see. What are our similarities here? uh mid 50s <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm 40 so mid-50s, so yeah i've got um i can do the course i've got uh i've had arthritis for a long time uh two two artificial hips because of it and we're still able to do it we're not here really to test your physical fitness on these courses what we're trying to do is get the fundamentals into your head and how to use the fundamentals to make you a better shooter you know off alternate positions and, and things of that nature moving targets so no, uh, no, you can work on your work on your fitness on your own time. We're just going to try to push those fundamentals into your head and make you a better shooter. So it wouldn't be any problem at all for you to be here. Uh, we've had, I mean, we've had people come down here. I had a group of four show up that were getting better in San Antonio, and whenever they walked through the door and rolled through the door, there was one leg between them, <laughs> and these were all you know wounded veterans. One guy was a, a triple amputee, and he did the class just fine. In fact, he, he did it fantastically. So if those guys can do it, we can dang sure do it, and we can be happy to do it. So yeah, no problem on that. You, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not gonna try to kill you with PT. No, and we'll get you out there, and if, if there's something you can't do, we move on or we find a way you can do it. Yep. Uh, he said, uh, I would also like to bring my Anschwitz 1727. Is that rig conducive to training you will be conducting? Absolutely. Bring it. Uh, we'll also have a loaner rifle or two from Voodoo, and we're working on some other brands, too, so you can get a feel for that. But your Anschwitz will work absolutely fine. Uh, I don't want, I'm not going to say his name, just a card out there, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and I'll send you, you, you also asked, uh, for a picture of the Tacticam on a ZCO. I'll get that to you. Moving over to the Podbean comments. We're just, I'm just going to run down them because, uh, until we get to a question here, uh, going all the way down, just F and send it podcast told us a great episode, man. You guys uh, go listen to David Baker over there. We appreciate him. Yeah. He's awesome. I've been on his podcast a couple of times. We really enjoy hanging out with him. Uh, newbie 2020 said, can you ban people from your podcast? No, I only do that on the hide when you deserve it. Uh, KCH, here's one for Jacob. Uh, it says Jacob, actually he had another one later, but it says, uh, Jacob is a Titan in the PR world and David is on the ball in competitions and training. We thank you for listening. Casey, honey badger. Good stuff, guys. Thank you. Honey badger shooter SHC. Finally, we, you crushed it. Glad to see this happen. Carlos 28. He's going to listen. He's listening with a pen and paper. 
uh, Aces and Eights. Uh, we know him way up north. Yeah, he's part of our 22 program for the Voodoo Series as well. He's going to be uh, hosting a match at his place. Uh, Army Dog, rock on. Back at you, man. Newbie again. Nice opening theme music. Yeah, we're we're still uh, evolving here, but it's getting better. We got uh, good. Uh, let me know how Jacob sounds today. We got a brand new mic for Jacob. Uh, OJS643, keep up the good work. He says, I'm at work, but I'm listening to the podcast, so I'm really working. If you're getting paid, you're working, man. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to cute. QK, David and Jacob, great start, great content, great job separating the topics. Yeah, we, we, we want to be able to go into those in detail, and if we start mixing in a lot of stuff, it'll, it'll get there. Just effing send it again. Good shit, homie. Thank you. RS14 off an episode. Josh Cruz, slamming it out. Awesome. KCH again, awesome content. Looking forward to seeing you all at the brawl. Hey, Jacob, uh, what barrel number are you on your AW? 27. 27. Ooh. It's a 1997 model and screwed on the 27th barrel here uh, not too long ago. Um, really excited. I ordered the X. So, I'm right behind you. Yeah, I ordered the X. And so that's, I'm going to, I think my 97 is getting a little bit long in the tooth. So I went ahead and ordered another Accuracy International. Yeah, I'm jumping on that train as well. So number 20, and those are mainly 308s. So those are not 2,000 round barrels. No, no, no. <laughs> those were, yeah, up until about the... 20th barrel they were all 308s all right newbie again both pair of topics safety and self-control thank you yeah we're gonna try to be as humble as we can when we mess up we'll tell you assaulter great episode great information thank you assaulter more cotons it's always loaded yes the gun is always loaded for sure rs14 great podcast always preaching about safety thank you newbie great wind info yeah i hope you guys get something out of that i'll do another one uh, that might be a little bit easier to comprehend Great podcast. Sound quality is 100% better. Thank you. Mike Shoot Stuff, Bolt Action versus Semi-Auto Concerning Fundamentals. I have heard talk about it and would like to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, this one goes way back. The um, Bolt versus Semi, you know, question. I had a conversation, and, and it was it's a question. You know, it's something that comes up. But I had a conversation with George Gardner about this many, many years ago. And I remember I was standing out in the barn, and I was talking to him. And I said, George, are, are, are the Semi-Auto guns inherently any less accurate than a bolt gun he said no absolutely not and the reason is is what it does come down to is the fundamentals now what you have to understand is that compared to a bolt gun a semi has a million moving parts and so this is where you know you you've got gas tubes and there's stuff going through gas tubes and you know you've got the bolt and bolt carrier group coming to the rear and then sliding forward and everything else they say well that's done after the barrel's already gone or the bullet's already gone out of the barrel mm. well yeah that's true Maybe. Uh, something's going to move because in front of that bullet, you also have an air column. And it's kind of like if I'm, if I'm sitting in a room and there's a water hose that's going through the room and I can't tell where the water hose is coming from or where it's going to, I can actually go up and I can put my hand on that water hose and tell if water is going through it. And so that's just one of the ways I kind of explained it a little bit more on, the, on what you have to do to, to drive a semi-auto good. Um, Follow through is absolutely key. And the reason being is that every, whenever you pull the trigger on a bolt gun, you get one recoil. The gun goes off and you get one recoil. Well, whenever you're shooting a semi-auto, and this is going to be true on a semi-auto handgun, semi-auto carbine, or semi-auto uh, sniper rifle in 7.62 or whatever caliber you have it in, you get the first recoil of the gun going off. Uh, the lock, the <clears throat> lugs unlock. And the bolt and bolt carrier group slam to the rear, ejecting the spent cartridge. And then you get a counter recoil whenever the gun reloads itself. And so, you know, people say, oh, well, whenever I shoot it, I just feel one recoil. Well, yeah, you do until I ask you this question. 
whenever that gun goes empty, can you tell that it went empty or do you think that you got a malfunction? And if you've shot them for any period of time, you know that it went empty. You immediately drop the mag, reach for another mag, and put one in. You know it's not a malfunction. You know the gun went empty. Because somewhere in your brain, it did not pick up the third counter recoil. And after you shoot them for a while, you'll kind of get that, you know, get that in your head, and then it's no problem anymore. But, yeah, the follow-through is going to be very important because of the bolt and bolt carrier group sliding. You've got that air column in front of the bullets that's going to start to engage the gas tubes. Um, so, again, is there any difference fundamentally uh, I always explain it like you have to drive a gas gun three times better than you do a bolt gun to get the same result. And so, um, and, and then that's just something I've been saying for a long time. I think it holds pretty true. I but, agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I tell people, everybody's asking, and you can tell me whether you agree with it or not. We haven't even talked about this before the podcast. Talks about, oh, what should I get as a trainer at 223? Get that. Get a gas gun. Yeah. If you can run a gas gun. I see a lot of guys that can run a bolt gun fine. They can't run a gas gun. I don't think I've ever seen a guy that could run a gas gun real well that couldn't run a bolt gun. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. I think it's it. They're just and again, you know, the advantage, you know, to the to the gas gun in in different applications. You know, you can you can actually deal with a little bit less accuracy. You know, because of the fact the environment that you're in may may require that. Uh, but the thing about it is, is just get out and shoot them, you know, get out and shoot them. You, you'd be surprised how accurate they can be. And there's some really, really nice, accurate semi-auto rifles out there. All right. All right. That sounds like we'll do that. If, uh, if we get some more questions on that, we'll make an episode out of it. But I think that's probably gets it across there. Uh, that was Mike shoot stuff. Thanks for the comment guys. And, uh, we're going to keep moving up. Newbie 2020 again. Great podcast guys. Loved it. Thank you. Uh, Jay Podensky enjoyed the podcast. We enjoy you listening. Uh, not YVGW3T. Way too short. Hope you can get him back on when you have time. I think that was by Mike or Buck. Yeah, there. talking about talking about Buck. Yeah, and you know he's been hanging out. You know we we, just, oh, yeah. we need to grab him. <laughs> so. Oh, other, I get mesmerized. I should be just walking around with just my phone, just recording him. And I mean, Jesus, <laughs> I what a good dude. Uh, Ace and Eight's great podcast uh, again. Thanks, man. Uh, this guy has just a lot of letters. It says uh, get. I'm guessing that's great podcast. Was in Midland and unable to make the brawl. Uh, sorry, man. We'll see you next year. We'll send this to my shooting frenemies. <laughs> and then he also listed said great. So thank you guys. Just uh, sometimes it might take us a while while we let them stack up a little bit but every uh, so many episodes we're going to go back and read all the comments and if you got questions we'll tackle it i think jacob has uh, somebody emailed him yeah i don't remember where i got it it was email or a message or something but he was talking about shoulder position when you're behind the gun and uh, i'm trying to to address that um what we advocate at rifles only is being straight behind the gun and so uh, th to answer this question in a couple of different ways and hopefully it, it covers you know what he's trying to ask me um whenever i'm behind my bolt gun and I'm in the prone, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift up my head slightly, and I'm just going to look, and out of the peripheral vision, I'm going to see, are my shoulders perpendicular to the bore of the rifle? In other words, I want to make sure that there's no angle there, and that's going to help me with my recoil management so I can spot my shots, uh, various other things that it helps with, but I want it, I want the line of the bore, if I drew an imaginary line across my shoulders, an imaginary line coming through the bore, I want those to intersect at 90 degrees, and that's, that's kind of, we'll, we'll talk about that more in later later episodes but that's that's the big thing about being straight behind the gun uh and how that shoulder position is the other thing is uh there's there's some different schools of thought uh that are out there about you know what is the shoulder pocket you know and it's it's whenever you think about it, it's pretty hard to define you know exactly uh, there's a lot of them yeah i mean it's pretty hard to define and then some people are, are moving their their guns in closer more to their center lines so i am yeah, yeah. 
So we're not having to bend our head over and everything else. Great success with that, you know, as well. Um, I think it's, I think it comes down to uh, several different ways to skin a cat. And, you know, some people are going to be able to move over closer to the center line. And some people are just, their bodies are not going to, it's not going to respond well accuracy wise doing it that way. Both ways are fine. Um, uh, the other thing that on the shoulder, uh, as it should be neutral, I always, I always make sure that I have, you know, some good back pressure whenever I'm holding the rifle into my shoulder pocket. And the reason I do that is my recoil management. I, I spend a lot of time shooting, you know, with uh, the clients that come here are not necessarily, they're kind of limited on the calibers that they can mm -hmm. use. So it's pretty much 300 and three, uh, 308, uh, sometimes 338. But I really want to snug that rifle up because I don't want to yeah. give it a running start at me. You know, if, if that buttstock gets a running start at me, uh, it's just going to end up getting sore. Well, I, I tell everybody two things that'll cause, because uh, if, you, if you're driving everything right, bipods don't hop. We'll yeah. talk about that again. But the two things that I see that uh, induce the hop is either giving them a run and start or just really stiffen up your shoulder yeah. and kick anything that makes the, that sends the recoil back into the rifle is what I see makes them hop. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've, another way I've explained it is, you know, we've all heard uh, the news stories about, you know, a family of four that's uh, on their way to church on a Sunday morning and they get hit by a drunk driver and the family of four dies and the drunk driver walks away. And it's because, you know, he's just so relaxed, you know, and so he just kind of goes with it. Uh, you and law enforcement have probably, you know, mm -hmm. heard that story many times. And that's that's what you're talking about is not to tense up that shoulder yeah. muscle. Wherever it sits in there, you, those muscles should be relaxed. You should have some tension on your bicep when you're pulling your gun into your shoulder pocket. But beyond that, try to relax. And I, I've seen on some, you know, really long carbine classes that we've had out here, you know, I've seen people, even with the 5.56, five, um, you know, start to get bruises on their shoulder because they're not shouldering yeah. the rifle correctly, and it's like pounding them every time they pull the trigger. I'm running a, uh, a Hoplite Arms, one of their test rifles. It's a 300 Norma. I have probably put two to 400 rounds. I'd have to count, mm -hmm. and 30 or 40 a day, sometimes more, and no bruising, no yeah. nothing. It's 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 and that's after you know i've been to classes here and other places and when you really get it you know tucked in there right it, yeah. it's, it's a kitty cat yeah for sure for sure uh, uh another shout out while we're talking about that we always try to tell everybody go check out uh, frank's podcast and uh snipers hide he's got a online training and he just did i want to say a m last month if you're if you get on there as a subscriber he just did shoulder position just did a video and everything on it yeah yeah good good stuff good stuff with frank that's for sure all right. Y'all want to move into the training topic for today? You want to do training or a recap? Which one do you want to do? I want to do the training. All right. Let's get that out of the way. What are we going to talk about? All right. So even we had the brawl last weekend, started another class this week, and we're always talking about the fundamentals of marksmanship, natural point of aim, sight picture, breathing, trigger control, follow through. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time on breathing today because it's, 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 it shows up in every class, you know, especially when you have a diverse group of people. Uh, we see it uh, in all classes. I mean, even myself, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Um, whenever you're shooting a precision rifle, that shot needs to break at the bottom of your breathing cycle. And whenever you start to think, well, what's the bottom of my breathing cycle? Well, that's kind of a misnomer. It's, uh, what I'd rather say is at your natural respiratory pause, that period when you're done breathing out, and you haven't breathed in yet, you're just at that static point in your breathing, that's when the shot should go. Um, if it doesn't happen, like in every class, what I'll do is I'll do a fundamentals evaluation first. I'll get everybody out there. I'll watch them shoot five rounds. And over the years, I've developed, if I'm watching their back to see where they're breathing, 
I pretty much know what their group is going to look like. You know, it, I know if they're breaking at different points in the breathing cycle, then obviously those rounds are going to string in the vertical format. Anyway. Oh, no, I, I agree. We're right there today, and I haven't got near the experience you do, but you can. we're watching them, and we'll ask her, I'll ask her right there because right, it's a ladies only or something mm-hmm. going on. I, I, did that Did that check go high or low? And then, yeah, yeah, it went higher or low. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've done it out here before. I even talked about it in my video, but – uh, years ago, we put a shooter on a rifle at, at 700 yards and, and um, you know, get the dope on it and everything else and do every fundamental to the absolute best of your ability and trying to keep that reticle centered on that target. And by deliberately breaking, you know, with uh, 100% lungs, about 75, about 50, about 25, and then at the bottom of the breathing cycle, for us to see 30 to 40 inches of vertical at 700 yards was not uncommon. And that's when they're trying to keep the reticle directly on there. And I say it's not uncommon. Some people did perform a little better. Some people a little worse. Whenever, but they were deliberately, deliberately screwing up the breathing fundamental just to see what would happen if you did it. I did the same thing whenever I, I think I told you whenever I got the 22 mm-hmm. and I was shooting it at 50. And um, I did the same thing. Start deliberately, you know, messing up fundamentals and see what happens with your group group size down there. And it, it's just breathing is one of those things that. You know, we all grew up with the whole hunting thing. You know, our, our fathers, our grandfathers, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to go out and hunt a deer. And it's, you know, taking a breath, you know, let it halfway out, hold it, and then come back on the trigger and it's a surprise you. All right. Oh, well, yeah. You know, that we that's pretty much what I would do with my niece, who is oh, her yeah. first deer. First time. You know, surprise. Her, her surprise. You know, it, it's her first deer. I say, you know, here's where the crosshairs go. You know, come back on the trigger nice and slow. And when it goes off, it should surprise you. And granted, that's good for about, you know, three minutes of angle. And that's enough, you know, to for so her. A minute of deer. First, yeah, a minute of deer. Exactly. And so, you know, that's, that's okay on that. But as the game that we're playing, I mean, we need to know exactly when the trigger goes off. And we'll talk about trigger control in a follow-on episode. But the breathing Get that to the bottom of your breathing cycle. And again, it's it's like the, during the fundamentals eval, I can watch somebody's hand position, I can watch the way they press the trigger, and I can watch their breathing, and I can pretty much draw what their group is going to look like downrange. And so breathing is real important. I, I know that we, we, we uh, don't spend enough time on that, and it should be one of those things that, yeah, because I got to check myself every now and then. I need to go out, and, and we, we never shoot groups in this game. You know, that's for bench rest. But we have to shoot groups for a couple of purposes. One, zero gun. Uh, two is to check your fundamentals. And you go out and you put up paper at 200, 300 yards. And 200 is better, I think, because you're not as affected by wind. You know, so you'll be able to see it a little bit better. But go out and check, is my group, is my group more vertical than it is horizontal? If that's the case, it's going to be breathing every time. And you get that person to where, you know, they're, they're starting to learn, okay, break at the bottom of your breathing cycle. And you see that, that vertical dispersion really, really, you know, decrease a lot. And so, saw it today. I mean, Oh, we saw it on several, I think, what I, what I do anyway, and it's, I'm sure it's similar to what you do. When I, and I do the same thing. I just watch the shooter. I don't, I, the group off, you know, either I know what it looks like or we'll see it later. And I watch the shooter and then I break it down. I, I, I look at one thing at a time. Okay, we got vertical and we have horizontal. Let's pick one. Let's get rid of it. Yep. And talking about breathing here is that's that's the main culprit. I, I do see some um, some issues, and we'll talk about that in another podcast. I do see some issues with improper rear bag use or improper oh, yeah. rear bags, and 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 you have that sympathetic kind of not not grip, but you're, you 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 kind of let off and it goes there. But we'll talk about that in another one. But yeah, yeah it's one. it's almost always. I mean, it's it's breathing every time. And I remember, oh man, uh, same thing. 
I was told, I, I don't remember what we talked about breathing. We were told the same thing. It should be a surprise when the trigger breaks. But I think everyone that's been around at any amount of time, I don't even know if people still read it, but I remember Plaster's book way back to Ultimate oh, yeah. Sniper and all that, mm-hmm. which I was, you know, back then there was no Google. It was all, we had to go buy yeah. books. If you, and it, we didn't know if it was right. It was, uh, I think it was that book and several others. They, they had you breathe in, breathe out, uh, breathe in, and then uh, stop in the middle. Mm-hmm. And hold your breath. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I've heard that for, they probably did that for 10 years or more, 20, oh, yeah. 30 years. Well, it used to be in the Army Sniper Manual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it showed it. You know, it's like you get to the bottom of your breathing cycle, hold your breath, and then bang, and then begin breathing again. That's out now. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's all going away. Um, yeah, and I just don't know why we do it. I think you've said it a hundred times. I've seen it uh, more than that is uh, I have no problem breathing anything else I do in life. Right. Everything, no problem. As soon as I grab a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we think it makes us more stable mm-hmm. and actually it doesn't. And the, we, it doesn't make us more stable. And again, our eyes stop working. You know, our, the first thing, whenever we stop breathing, the first thing to go into oxygen crisis is going to be your eyes and it's going to happen really quick. But your eyes are right in front of, you know, the most fantastic supercomputer that's ever been on the planet. And it does have a steady shot button. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Your brain kind of hits that steady shot button and you'll think that you'll think you're really stable, but you're not. I mean, you are moving around. And um, that just the only way out of that is to breathe, you know, and it's anything like uh, on the hunting side of the house, you know, I finally learned, you know, I go in and I get that, that buck fever going, mm-hmm. that adrenaline dump. And then so, you know, lately, I say lately, uh, for a long time now, whatever animal I'm going to shoot, I'll just sit there and watch it and tell myself to breathe yeah. and tell myself to breathe. And until that, that little bit goes away and then I can get a good shot on it. And I haven't lost an animal in a long, long time, so... So, um, so why can't, because uh, I'm just going to throw out questions I know people are thinking, or maybe there's some other schools of thought that people would argue. Why, uh, why can't we break it? I mean, there's a, there's a natural respiratory pause at the top as well. There is. There is. And it's, it's pretty consistent unless you are under some sort of stress, like you've just run, you know, uh, several hundred yards or whatever. You know, you're gonna, you're, it's going to be inconsistent at the top, but it's more consistent at the bottom. The other thing is at the bottom of your breathing cycle is you're, you don't have a full capacity on your lungs, so it helps you to more collapse onto your skeletal structure. And as you collapse onto your skeletal structure, that's where we know accuracy is, accuracy is at. You know, even, I mean, when you're shooting sling supported only, mm-hmm. you want only your bones to be supporting that with the help of the sling. And, and breathing is the same way. You know, whenever you're, you collapse on there, the other thing, um, if your lungs have, you know, a larger, a larger capacity in them, you know, your heart's beating right mm-hmm. there. And so you can start to get a tremor on that. And you, you can stop it with a knife, but it only works once. Just one time? Just one time. So, I mean, choose your battles. But just get to the bottom of the breathing cycle. Your collapse onto your skeletal structure. Now, uh, once again, I want to say that if we're doing handgun carbine, you know, yeah. the, the distance are much closer. I don't care if you break at the bottom of your breathing cycle. I just want you to breathe. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there, the distances are much closer. You know, typically 50 yards and in, you know, for carbine and 20 yards and in. Sometimes we go further with them. I mean, everybody does. But, you know, it, your breathing error is probably going to end up with giving you the same result. If you tried that, you know, back out at, you know, 600, 800, 900 yards, that's when just mathematically you're going to see a larger error on it. So that's why, you know, the, I always say, you know, um, if... Um, 
if I take off from here in my truck and I drive to Corpus and back, and then I go and I get in an 18 wheeler and I drive to Corpus and back, I've accomplished the same goal, mm-hmm. but I've driven those machines in two different fashions. Oh yeah. You know, so that's completely different. That's the thing. So you got to think about, you know, what is my application? And I've said it in here, you know, we're sitting in the classroom here at rifles only. And I said, you know, if, if Bigfoot came through that door, you know, I'm going to literally be uh, slapping the trigger yeah. and holding my breath, but I got, you know, a good hand position, so at least I'm strapping it, slapping it to the rear, and hopefully the range is short enough that my breathing, you know, is going to keep me on yeah. target. And I, I, like, I like the idea of a Bigfoot as a target because, one, he's really big, and two, he'd probably be pretty close, and that makes me feel better about my shooting, <laughs> at least on targets anyway. So. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you touched on it there for a second, but like I said, when you have that, you, you know, you you have all your heart's beating between two balloons essentially, yep. Yep. and uh, it, it's I, I see that all the time. I you know, there's still in the some of the old manuals and stuff like that. All time your shot between your heartbeat and yeah. stuff like that, and and half the time, probably more than that, sometimes it's in the wrong spot on the shoulder. But the other half is their their lung. They held their breath at the top of there, and they're just their their heart's yeah. just beating away, and that's yeah. that's where it is. I mean, that if, if you see in that heartbeat like there, it's it's a couple things. Yeah. And that's part of it. If you just keep breathing, you're going to see that heart calm down. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's another thing. If anybody looking for ways to, at least, uh, at least for me, what I do, uh, a couple different ways to really isolate it and work on breathing, and it works on natural point aim as well, but is either a rope mm-hmm. or uh, just anything almost without a bag where you, you're the, the front of the rifle is supported on something and you're not balancing on a bag. And I've noticed you obviously got to get your natural point aim, your, your left right out of there. And then it's, for me, it's just 100% breathing at that point. Mm-hmm. As soon as you, you breathe, everything settles down, all your wobble, or for the most part, it just goes away. Yeah. And I've found that when I really just want, or I'm helping somebody with it, and, and, I want, and they say, well, I'm not seeing what you mean or something, I'll put them on a rope mm-hmm. or something like that. And then they can really just see, you know, oh, man, my, my crosshair is moving up three mils on this rope. Right, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can train yeah. train for that. And we were talking about it today. You know, the, the more you pay attention to that, you know, the more your your brain, like, subconsciously builds correct neural pathways yeah. on how to do it. So, and, yeah. and and as far as since we're trying to not just be just for comp shooters or anything like that, uh, since I, it's on the side that I work on, whether it's a military and law enforcement or the hunter side, uh, buck fever exists. I mean, and it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, tunnel vision is absolutely real, guys. Mm-hmm breathing will help you break that yep. uh lots of deep breaths uh you start feeling your heartbeat kicking up you got that giant buck like i think uh, jacob was just talking about you know you're on that ram hunt of a lifetime just breathe calm down you'll you'll feel that heart rate calm down you calm down uh your military and law enforcement guys when you start you know like i said tunnel vision it's it's part of our defense mechanism and we need it for a lot of things but you want to break it at some point uh, pretty quick and breathing helps you know drinking water stuff like anything looking around side to side scanning but breathe make sure you're breathing you'll feel that heart rate uh, uh calm down uh that tunnel vision will start getting larger and larger and larger i mean is that oh, yeah. pretty much your experience yeah. oh yeah for sure yeah and we see you know we talk to the people that are down here you know shooting white tailed deer and um it, you know there's there's always those missed shots oh just yeah just because of buck fever i mean we had them out here on the range they got a good 100 yard zero, ended up with a deer at 85 yards, um, pretty big target for 85 yeah. yards, nice rest, everything else. 
The only thing that happened is Buck Fever got to him. You know what I mean? And the only reason I know this is because I could look in the mirror and say, because it's happened to me, you know. And, it, it, and it's it's the exact same thing. What, what you're going through, if, uh, you know, Buck Fever is exa- almost, well, a little bit different because uh, Buck's not usually shooting back. But it's the same idea, same principle in your military. It's caused by an adrenaline dump. It's an adrenaline dump. And, uh, you know, that's why you see on the news, uh, you know, seven yards away, you know, emptied a mag at, at somebody a cop did and you know hit him once or not at all yeah it happens it does happen but if y'all got any other questions on that just put them in the comments and, and we'll address them either either in the comments or or on an additional podcast we're trying to keep track of everything that we're talking about so that we can go back and revisit it if needed but where are we now uh well i think i think we covered most everything on breathing or at yeah. least for now if you got like you said if you got any questions we'll go back and and touch on it uh, what are we w- moving into? You want to talk about brawl? Yeah, let's talk about the brawl. Let's talk about that real quick. Well, the the Sunday night before the train up started, we had some weather blow in, oh, just yeah. a little bit of weather, and uh, it got it, as it turned out throughout that week. We had some of the coldest temperatures that have ever been recorded down here in this region. Uh, some people just just north of us ended up getting snow here at Rifles Only. We ended up with uh, ice and you know freezing temperatures down in the teens. So. Um, we tried to run the water because, you know, we don't have protected pipes down here right. in the south. We just don't freeze that much. And so we tried to run the water, but when we were running the water in the middle of the night, when it got as cold as it could, the power went out. And so whenever the power oh, came back pumps. on and it kind of th- thawed out, we ended up with some, some damage to the place around here, you know, different pipes that needed to be repaired. And we got all that done. And trying to do the, the trade up, you know, under those conditions is a little bit trying, but we got through it. Uh, fortunately, um, Friday morning, the start of the brawl, it just broke pure sunshine. I think we started out in the high 20s that morning. And yeah, but it wasn't a cold 20s. No, it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. Well, the wind had gone away. Yeah. And so whenever you don't have that wind chill tearing you up. And so we had a really, really good day. Saw some uh, fantastic shooting. Uh, really good. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I think we had a guy that, I mean, he was down a couple points, but he was he shut this. He shot clean for the day. Oh, yeah, he did. It yeah, was awesome. Really good. He shot fantastic. He did, did really, really well. And a lot of them did up there. I oh, think, yeah. I think Clay Blackletter did the – that his, he's the one who cleaned – He's only the second person in a competition that's cleaned – Yeah, uh, that's, that's cleaned frustration ladder. ladder. Yeah. That was good. And, you know, the thing was is um, just to kind of pitch in for the sponsors, I'm going to call him out here in a second, but Geo Ballistics had sponsored that. Yeah, I saw and that. And so, um, so he got he got 500 bucks on that. That one. was cool. Yeah, I didn't even know cool. by that. You had it out. I'm like, why? why yeah. Can I get $500? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, they, had, they had donated 1500 total. Wow. And so they said, hey, do whatever you want with it. I said, okay, fine. What we'll do is we'll take 500 to whoever gets the furthest. We didn't say clean because we didn't think anybody would clean it, but whoever gets the furthest on frustration ladder. And as uh, it, it turned out, Clay did it. And um, Yeah, we've been shooting that every quarter almost for two years, a year and a half. And I've seen one, that, yeah, half years. one guy cleaned it in a match, a yeah. local match, and now Clay. Yeah. And That's pretty impressive. I had, I had one guy clean it in training one time. Yeah, I, I've gotten a, the 300, and it was still felt like you were flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, he, he, he did that. So what they, they donated 1,500. And so we wanted to award, you know, since that was that was their stage, we wanted to award the winner of that, the 500. And then what we did after that was we put all, all the shooters' names in a hat. Oh, and yeah, yeah. So we called four names for $250 each. So kind of spreading the love around there from, from um, Geoballistics. Yeah, that, that's big. Yeah, yeah, that is big. But, yeah, it was, it was really good. I think um, Ashton, she cleaned the wall section. Okay. Yeah, she did. She did. She cleaned that. She cleaned that. Uh, we had some some super super good shooting that um, you know going out there. Another interesting event that we had was we called uh, call it point two, 
And so we've got uh, targets from 300 to 1,000, all known distance. But if you look at them through your scope, they're all 0.2 mils high. And so one of the events that we did was um, you have one round in 10 seconds, and you tell me which range you're going to shoot. So if you shoot three and you hit it, you get three points. If you shoot six and you hit it, you get six points. If you shoot 1,000 and you hit it, you get 10 points. So we had some people make get some points on that one too it was kind of nice it was really good shooting yeah that that one's a i've shot that one in another club match and i think i did seven i, I just that it makes you think oh yeah it, makes it, you does think. Make you think. it does make you think should i try to go close you know they're all relative the same but now it's how are we going to call that wind and make sure that we're not off the edge of that yeah, plane. and i think they're only about 12 a foot wide yeah they're, they're not that wide. wide yeah well we we did it for training so that people could really you know double down on getting really good dope oh yeah they're basically true in bars they're, yeah they're basically true bars and so that it, and then to be able to use it in a match it 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 gets people up there talking some smack to one another and oh i, I think uh between that and the uh the the KYL or uh all or nothing all basically or nothing. and yeah. uh the last club match uh <laughs> gilbert he made 20 points in two shots yeah 20 <laughs> points in two shots which is good it's and any yeah and and gilbert likes to remind me all the time that he got second i got third so <laughs> thanks gilbert yeah gabriel yeah. Well, it was good shooting on him too <laughs> but it, yeah it was it was really good uh Day two, we went we went no bags, and it seemed like the the hit percentage even went up for the most of the field. Uh, people shot better. Uh, again, we had great weather on day two. Um, did the moving target on then? That was that worked out real good. It was it was it was just a really good solid match. And then I heard. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I won't get into bag or no bag what people like or not. But I heard a lot more positive oh i did too and people I did came up and says, man that's a fantastic idea you know and there's other people who said they wish they would do it at other matches i had several of those you know just at least for a stage or a couple of stages or something you know to just go you know you and your rifle but yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was it was really good um also the uh, at the for lunch on day one james made that king ranch casserole oh yeah that's good, good. yeah and then, uh and and accushot paid for that bnt oh awesome yeah, I, those guys really i mean yeah, i mean not even I'm, I'm not even like embellishing this or making it sound good for the podcast they really do support a yeah, lot of do. stuff they really do and then um you know james did the the brisket on day two so that was yeah i, I went to go back and get seconds it was gone <laughs> yeah 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 uh, it was it was um it was a great match like i said but also also kind of bittersweet um that week before the match happened, we ended up with 53 shooters. We had uh, over 40 dropouts, and it was the, the, the main range officers like Lindy and, and Chucky and Brian and all the, the ones that were here, Troy Clayton. Uh, oh, yeah, Miss Troy. Yeah, yeah they, they couldn't make it. And, you know, even the shooters who couldn't make it, you know, and it wasn't because they didn't want to be here. It's just they were home fixing their homes. You know, they had busted pipes, and, and they just, you know, in order to make their homes livable, they just had to spend brawl weekend you know, fixing up their homes. So uh, yeah, we, had, we, we had guys that normally, you know, uh, I, there was a couple of employees from uh, Redbeard Gunworks came out here and yeah. were helping yeah. RO, you know, they, uh, awesome. Yeah, and I tell you that we had a crew of three come down from Michigan. They come down every year and uh, they come down and they, they hang out during the train up and then they shoot the match. And whenever they found out what was going on, all three of them, without any hesitation, jumped into RO. A lot of people did. You know, oh, they did. They and then we had RO and they, they're fantastic guys. And we had uh, yeah, George, uh, no yeah. legs on the hide. Yeah. He, uh, his, his rifle was slow in transit getting here from Dallas at the airport and all that. And he RO didn't have a, you know, there was no bitterness, no nothing. Just right away, yeah. you know, hey, I'll RO. Yeah. Just, and it worked out. Yeah, all the ROs that were here, man, a big, big shout out to those guys. They were fantastic. But I wanted to, I wanted to list the sponsors that we had. Uh, we had Mile High Shooting and Accuracy International North America. They got together. 
and they donated one of the new rifles that's not even available yet. I'll let you talk a little bit about that gun. Oh, that gun. Let's see. I shot that. Uh, that was a good thing. Uh, George and I were RO on the same stage. Um, so he had his ATX on the second day. Thankfully, that was like the only reason I came here. See the ATX and I found out that it's stuck in Dallas. And that's that. That's yeah, not the real reason I came here. But anyway, uh, that gun is I mean, they got it really. I mean, it's an AI. Don't get me wrong. AI is awesome. But they were never real. They were never really uh, geared towards a competition or what we're doing now. They're sniper rifles. Yeah, that, that's straight up what they are. They're working guns. And I still think the AT, the regular AT, that's still, it's still going to be available for law enforcement. It's probably the best field rifle probably ever created. I mean, it's just, you know, the AW and then the AT. And this one, I mean, they, they sunk the, it's not bonded um, just for simplicity's sake. And you could still take it apart and, and whatnot. But they sunk it down low, and the, the bore line is extremely low. The recoil is it's, it's very pleasant. It, I, it's hard to explain exactly the difference until you really shoot that thing. Yeah, for sure. I shot, it, I shot it several times, and I, I had already ordered mine before that, but it just, it just reinforced it to me uh, that, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're looking to get a new rifle, and I am since, since my Accuracy International is was born in 1997. I think I deserve a new one. Wow. So I'm going to go ahead and get one of those. But yeah. I, I shot it, and I, I'm glad I ordered it. Well, you don't have to go beating on your uh, your rifle with a wrench and you know, oh, to change I'll your barrels still, out. Still beat on it you still beat on it with that? Yeah, sure. yeah. I can take it. It doesn't even know I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, there we have Primary Arms, who always does, always does a, a really good prize package down here for us. Uh, speaking of Primary Arms, shout out to Mike Lilly. He uh, gave his, uh, his prize table walk. And I think a junior got a primary arms yeah, for that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was really good of Mike to do that. Uh, Tactical Works, they did the T-shirts. Geoballistics, which I already talked about. Leopold, Leopold was here. Actually, uh, Michael shot the match with us, which was nice. That's why we were able to corner him to do a podcast. We we're going to corner him again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Proof Research, always constantly doing that. Fix-it sticks. I think you're a fix-it stick shooter now. Uh, yeah, I just got the, uh, I don't know. I guess it's fine to talk about it because they uh, they sent the email out and they're just waiting to get all everybody. Uh, but they are doing some pro staffers for rimfire, ELR hunting, and centerfire matches. And so there's a few of us that are going to be on there. I think I'm on the. I mean, you pretty much representative the whole way around. But I think I'm on the rimfire side. But pro staff on there. So check out Fix It Sticks. Uh, I think rifles only. You guys uh, are a dealer. Yeah, so we are. We are. Check them out. Yeah, we get all of their all of their stuff, and I, we've been using it here for years. Uh, Crescent Customs, uh, Moon up there, he, he oh, uh, yeah. pushed some stuff in. Magneto Speed, XLR Industries, Armageddon Gear, shout out to Tom Fuller. He always sends a really nice nice package. Defiance Machine, Vortex Webad, Manor Stocks, Redbeard Gunworks, B&T Industries. Again, they had that, that one, one event, shot, yeah. just a one shot, and it's a first certificate. Yeah, the b and one shot. b and one shot, and then they did provide the lunch for us. Uh, Wilder Tactical, uh, they've got some really good stuff. Oh, yeah, right that, 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 uh, I've got a... From theirs, it's a. They modify uh, some Safari Land stuff and yep. then add their own things on there. Yep. And if any of you guys, uh, law enforcement, are looking into that, they make one that instead of having it, because that, that Safari Land belt loop is kind of awkward trying to get on there and he yeah. adds his own. It's much easier. And then he's got his own uh, leg strap on there and, and it's got a rotating uh, piece that sits on your hip. It's ex- I was messing around with mine earlier today and it's extremely comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's got that. He, you could get that whole battle belt too. Yeah. And it, it's just super comfortable. Uh, where was I? Wilder Tactical. Yeah. Wilder Tactical. There we are. Impact Data Books, Thunder Beast Arms. Thunder Beast really stepped up. Like, I think four uh, certificates off and then uh, one 
one free one. Patriot cases, the Patriot case guys, they, they came in and they've always supported us. Uh, AccuTac was here, Bartland Barrels, Burris, Coltac, Gitlight, Graybo Stocks, Hawkins Precision, Hawkins Precision, Hodgden, Impact Precision, Collies, Kelby's, Leica, Lone Peak Arms, Magpul, McMillan, MDT, Border Enterprises, Swarovski, TS Customs, US Optics, and Zermatt Arms. That would round out our list. So if you need stuff, just check those companies out. And where was I? Oh yeah, I wanted to get that sponsor list. And I also wanted to say about, I'm about ready to wrap up for you. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. You got your pin there, give them some clicks. Yeah, I gotta get some pin clicks in here. And also just wanted to let y'all know, either probably not the next podcast, but probably the one after that or the one after, uh, we're going to have Frank Galley as a guest. He's going to come on from, from Sniper's Heights. So I look forward to, to visiting with him. I'm wondering where that one's going to go. <laughs> uh, well, strap in probably. Yeah, strap that in. Gonna it's going to be a good one. Yeah. But Frank and I go way back. He, he hung out at Rifles Only for a long time, and, and uh, he's up in Colorado. He does his own courses. And, of course, if you don't know about Sniper's Heights, you've probably been living underneath a rock. But anyway, hopefully we'll see you guys next time. Uh, keep on listening. Send us more comments, questions, anything that we can address. Talk to you soon. See you next week, guys.